All right, and welcome back this week to the square. Uh, we got the the boys here, and we're joined by our special guest Jack Cavanaugh. Uh, Jack, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name is Jack Cavanaugh. I am the executive director of uh, Gliss. Uh, we're an LGBTQ youth services uh, organization. Uh, officially stands for Gay and Lesbian Youth Services, but it it always feels a little '90s, so we try to just use the acronym uh, mm. as much as possible. But um, yeah, happy to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. We're gonna we're gonna talk Pride. Um, if you're not aware, uh, where have you been? But oh, like June is Pride Month, and you know, uh, first weekend of June we'll have Pride Fest here in Buffalo. Uh, it, Niagara County's got uh, Pro- Niagara Pride coming up. Chautauqua County, Chautauqua Pride. Even Cattaraugus County's got uh, Pride now. Um, so you know, like it's it's coming up. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about Pride. Um, as so, as somebody from South Buffalo, by the way, I mean I love March and I love the St. Patrick's Day parades, but like June, way better, mm-hmm. way better month, way better weather. Pride, way better. Every Pride parade is better than mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day parade. I said it. Yeah, I mean, well, Re and I used to, used to live on West Utica, like right by Elmwood, mm. and so like you know we had a prime location for for Pride parade every single year. That is a good spot. I um. You know, it's always it's funny how this, this changed over the years. Like, you know, the original route back in the '90s, it was like six trucks mm-hmm. and like more protesters than people participating, and it went from the then Red Cross parking lot, which is now Best Self, down Delaware to Lafayette Square, where it was like six tables and a uh, one stage that had like a drag show, mm-hmm. and that was it. And then they shifted it over to uh, to Bidwell, so it started Klein hands that go down with the Bidwell. And it's crazy now thinking about like the festival being on Bidwell, like the size that it is, like trying to do that. But you know, it's always been yeah. right in that area. Yeah, I remember the old, like starting on Main Street over there by like mm-hmm. myself, like yeah, uh, doing that in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they switched it in like the early two thousands. I want to say like oh three oh four or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember right. a few years ago it ended up back. So I remember being at like the canal side or the waterfront. Did it end? Maybe I was just really messed up. I don't know. Yeah, now it's at Canal Side. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So that's where the after party is, right? Like yeah. the after. Okay. Well, and and the, and the village, the Pride Village, with the the beer tent. Okay. You've got your your nonprofits. You've got vendors. Um, right. Some good music. They had Rebecca Black last year, yeah. which I was pretty excited about. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. yeah. Was, she was she was very good. Oh. Maybe we I'll... were uh, we were tabling, and I was told my staff I was like I gotta when Rebecca hits the stage I gotta go. Uh, she was very good. Damn. So I mean. Talk to us about like the importance of of Pride Month and you know, and Pride Fest and you know well specifically in Buffalo and Western New York um, you know and, and nationally it's a little bit you know you're with you're with Gliss um, you're working with youth um, I think it's important you know, that like they see that it's a community that's not just like accepted but embraced Yeah definitely you know I think I think it's a it's a couple different things um, you know the first thing is just the the visibility of it, you know? So we organize, so our role in the whole shebang is that we organize all the high school students who want to march in the parade. So if you go see it, you'll notice that they put us like right up front. Like last year, I was literally like the first like person <laughs> in the parade. Uh, and so we have like two, 300 high school kids that are coming and want to represent their schools. And I think for them, even just coming to the like Buff State parking lot where we set up, and being able to like look around and see like <laughs> this is just like hundreds, if not a couple thousand people there, mm-hmm. um, all just trying to get into that parade. 
Um, and top of all the different sort of like companies and other organizations that are there, just to sort of outwardly say, you know, this is a place that that values you, a community that values you. Um, and then I think for them, you know, one of the things that we've seen that's shifted, even compared to like when I was in high school, you know, 20 years ago, and, and Gliss as an organization has shifted, is that, you know, it used to be that a lot of the youth just needed a safe little enclave where they could sort of be, find themselves. But now things like Pride, things like the Parade, they want to be very visible. They want to be very external. They want to advocate. Um, and it's, it's just a different, um, you know, sort of paradigm for how we do our work. But that's why the Parade is so important to them, too, because they want to be out there. They want to put their shirts on. They want to wear their signs. They want to make sure everyone sees who they are um, and that they're, you know, making a difference in the community. And so, you know, the parade itself is really, you know, I think, I think very meaningful. I will say a lot of our, the young people that we serve don't necessarily make it down to Canal side uh, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to work on something to give them something to do, but um, the ones that do go down, you know, again, it's that feeling of kind of community, uh, especially from the kids that come in from like more rural and suburban parts of Western New York. Um, you know, they can't, it, it, you know, there's not like you walk down the street and they're, their towns and there's like pride flags hanging out, you know, mm-hmm. and like they're not going to the library and having a special pride section um, like some of the city libraries do. And so, you know, being able to be part of something that's sort of bigger than yourself and feel a little less alone, I think is really meaningful for, for a lot of them, but really they just, they love being visible, you know, they love just getting up front and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's really, I think very powerful for them. I know, you know, as we uh, roll around the corner into June, I, inevitably guys if anybody's been on the internet you always see like the uh was it the, the kink at pride discourse or like everybody clutching their pearls over um kids or young people you know being exposed to exposed scare quotes of course um to different things at pride um and there's obviously like different communities that come out um at the pride parades have you have you gotten any pushback jack at all from like you know, I'm sure you have obviously on some level, but like what kind of things have any, has anybody said like, Oh my God, will somebody please think of the children seeing, <laughs> you know, the bondage gear or something at the parade? <laughs> no, you know, honestly we don't, I think, I think they purposefully put us at the front and they stick a lot of like the, the bars at the back to sort of like have that kind of buffer. I think they do that on purpose. Uh, so, you know, we don't really get a lot, you know, I think anyone who really complains about that stuff is clearly never really spent time like on the internet. Cause like <laughs> if kids want to get exposed to that stuff, they just, it's a Google search away, you know? So if you think that that's the first time that any of your kids are seeing any of that stuff, that's, um, I mean, it's just probably not true. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting now, you know, with, um, uh, we work really closely with the Imperial court who does a lot of drag performances locally and, um, we have them perform every year at part of our prom and our conferences for our youth. And some of that drag stuff, not even parade related, but just in general with our conferences was like weirdly controversial. I mean, these are like seven year old guys singing Lady Gaga empowerment songs. Like it's not some ultra sexual thing, but I think people get in their heads around, you know, what these sort of things look like and mean. And, uh, you know, it's just not necessarily reflective. I always, I do laugh though. When I was like, I don't know, what was that, in the, the 90s when it was like a, they did like a 25th anniversary Stonewall march. And I went down with my family and we were there. And I, was, I don't know, I must have been like, I don't know. I was in elementary school. And to get lost, my, so I didn't get lost. I only had me on like one of those leashes. 
that you like put on like the wrap and they go there. And so the uh, all the the bondage guys thought that was really funny. Uh, they were like, oh, you know, really really starting them young now. Uh, um, I almost tell that story, but uh, you know, it's always been part of the community. There's all sorts of different sections of the community, you know, and it's just. Uh, I think one of the things that's great about Pride is that it's uh, ideally celebrating. Uh, the queer community in its totality and entirety in terms of all of the different kind of subsections mm-hmm. that encompass that because it's a very, you know, intersectional space. There's a lot of different people that come from a lot of different backgrounds and interests and, you know, other parts of their life that happens to intersect with their, uh, you know, sexual orientation or gender identity. And they have a space where they can kind of bring that. I think for us with the kids, I mean, it's it's what I always talk about is how important it is to have a space where, kids can just sort of be their like full selves. Like they don't have to leave parts of themselves, the door when they come in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that kids have space and anyone has access to space like that, where they can just fully show up as themselves. And for a lot of folks, it's just not accessible in the day to day. And, uh, you know, I know pride historically has offered that. I I hope that it still does. Uh, but I think that's been really important. Um, you know, part of the community and the, the expression. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I talked about this last year on the show when I was down in Jamestown for Jamestown Pride. Um, that that was like it was really impressive to me and important that there was an opportunity, even in you know Southern Chautauqua County, for uh, individuals, especially kids, to be able to like express themselves and be themselves wholly in uh, in the community and have community members around them embracing them, right? That you know, not just tolerating. Right? Yeah. But like actually like actively want to be there and be there with them. Definitely. You know, we, uh, so we also do like, um, the Friday before the parade, we do a, like a alternative prom kind of thing that kids can come to. And it's, uh, it's like super fun. Um, but that's the whole idea, right? Is that they come into this space where they can show up how they want with who they want, you know, fully express themselves. But it's, it's funny because it's like the one event a year that like <laughs> I get so many calls up. People want to like volunteer and chaperone, you know, they're like, I just want to like be there and see and experience it because they're like, this is enough that I didn't have mm-hmm. as a kid. And I always have to cut it. You know, we have to cut it off at a certain point. Cause otherwise it'll be like 200 kids in a room surrounded by a hundred crying adults who are just like, <laughs> I can't believe this is so beautiful. I mean, and it is, it's a very powerful experience, but it's like, I don't, the kids don't really, that's not why they're there to watch a bunch of adults cry. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's having that space, those spaces. And, you know, we work with Jamestown pride pretty, pretty uh, closely, which has been really exciting. We've been doing a lot more programming down there and, um, you know, we serve programs, we serve schools and youth all the way you know, down to Cattaraugus County and Chautauqua County. And, uh, the needs down there in some of those rural communities is really, uh, important because, you know, if they, if you have a kid who lives in the city of Buffalo or, you know, parts of Erie County that are a bit more progressive, you know, they're walking out of their neighborhood and seeing pride flags hanging out front. Like I have one in front of my house. There's like three on my block. Mm-hmm. Like I live in Eggertsville and there's like a handful of, um, you know, black lives matter signs, like in our front lawn, a few others. That's not the case in a lot of other communities. And right. so, um, you know, being able to show up in their neighborhood, in their town, whether that's, you know, Jamestown or North Tonawanda does a pride, uh, event or, um, Newfane, or the city of Niagara Falls, like all sorts of different events, they can see in their own backyard, in their own community, that there is sort of a presence and, um, you know, people that care about them. It doesn't just exist downtown right. at Canal Side. It exists in uh, different towns around the, the county. And I think that's really, um, we found that to be pretty important for them. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that there doesn't have to be like, you know, um, that I have to like escape from this, right? 
Yeah. You know, so like when you have North Tonawanda or Hamburg or, or you know other towns doing a pride or Jamestown now, um, yeah, Olean does it in, in Caracas County. Like I, I do think that's that's yeah, like you said, like it's incredibly important because like, you know, there are some municipalities that you know don't still do that, and and yep. yeah, it, it might be a long time off before they do that. Definitely, definitely, it's been definitely on the increase, which is nice. You know, other organizations have been really pushing for. Uh, some of that we work really closely with uh, Niagara Pride, um, who helps do a lot of work, especially in Niagara County. And um, they've been organizing a lot up there. And that's been uh, really successful because there has been such a need. And, you know, even in Jamestown, I mean, last year was the first year they did it. And it was a huge turnout and big event because there's such a need from the community that all mm -hmm. they had to do was sort of, you know, it was like a build it and they'll come kind of situation mm -hmm. because the the community was out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, like I was in, in Jamestown and, and Jamestown being, you know, in particular, a larger city down in that area serving a large area. Like there was people from, you know, Pennsylvania there, like, uh, you know, Northwestern Pennsylvania and, and Cataracts County and, you know, Chautauqua and Al even as far as like Allegheny County were showing up in Jamestown for it because, yeah, there, there's a huge need down there that's not being serviced and, and not being appropriately attended to. Yeah, most definitely. Um, for sure. You know, it's, it's fascinating um, to me as we're talking about like, you mentioned earlier, Jack, the, the the drag performances you had, or or with the uh, with the alternate prom, like the adult chaperones, um, that you know you guys are like, hey, we know these are things that people are attacking um, our LGBTQ uh, friends, neighbors, family on, like nationally, they, like the drag children's performances or whatever, or you know some other heinous things that are said. Grooming is is a word out there with Which, adults and children. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's so fucking disingenuous. The reason why they attack like the drag shows this is because they want to uh, ostracize and they want to be bigots towards certain individuals, and they they can't do it logically or realistically. So they that's why they call them groomers and say that they're like they're well, abusers. Right, right, right. No, thousand percent. What what I'm saying is like in the face of all that, like in the context, like in the in the 2023 where we've like heard those things kind of slung around a lot, like. It takes a measure of, of bravery and be like, yeah, fuck you. Like, this is what our kids, this is what our, our, you know, this is what we need for our community in order to make it successful and thrive. Yeah, it's it's, it's always a tough balance, too. You know, I mean, I think we've had conversations with um, uh, with 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 Evergreen about the parade. When we do our conferences. When we do the uh, prom. We're always thinking about well, like that security. What does that look like? And mm -hmm. getting those extra people. We've hired private security for our prom, for our conferences, and you know, we purposely didn't put like exactly where some of our conferences are happening online mm -hmm. and we haven't had any issues, but you know, to even have to think about a lot of that stuff is really, mm -hmm. um, you know, frustrating and disheartening. And, you know, the reality is that like, especially for, you know, when I work with a lot of our kids, I think it is, it is that like, they want to be that highly visible sort of thing. And there's a certain, uh, you know, definitely a certain courageousness in that, you know, being a, being like 17 and walking at the front of like the parade with like, you know, huge sign like and being, you know, have their picture. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. And that's, that's hard. And it's, you know, always really kind of, you know, humbling, I think from my experience to kind of learn and sort of be present with them in those sort of moments, because, uh, you know, being a visible face of, um, you know, especially our trans young people, it's really hard. Um, and, uh, you know, but I think for us, it's like, you know, we don't want to give it oxygen sometimes, you know, yeah. like when UB had the Michael Knowles speaking and we had a lot of conversations around like, what should, should we just like ignore it? Should we just like go up there and say like, hey, you're not welcome here. And it was just such a lose lose because like if we don't do anything that it's sort of that silent consent, 
Mm-hmm. But if we go up there and really get in their face, it's exactly what they want us to do. So they can put that on, you know, like the Daily Wire was there, like interviewing people, you know. And so it's it's just tough because and I think this is sort of a balance that we're all sort of walking with a lot of this, at least other organizations in the in the you know queer community is like, how hard do we push? What sort of fight do we what do we fight? And, you know, how do we how do we win those uh, those battles? Um you know, and, and it's, it, they're really, they're really insidious too. Like we, we work with a lot of public school districts around. We do a lot of trainings and, you know, we'll hear this stuff from like teachers at the schools. They'll be like, Oh, I heard this thing on Facebook or I saw this. And it's the most, it's the dumbest stuff that like, is just not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not real. There's no reality to any of it, but they read it online and, you know, there's all this sort of fear mongering, especially around trans young people. And they're like, you know, repeating these things. And I have to just kind of be like, no, that's, just factually inaccurate. There's mm-hmm. like zero evidence for any of the stuff you're saying, but it, it just, it's, it spreads throughout and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned really like, you know, like the, some of the national stuff going on, but you know, we talked about in the last couple of weeks, you know, the recent school board elections here and, and Western New York and Erie County and Niagara County. Um, and you know, at the fights coming here, like it's you know, like, Yes, like we could feel pretty confident that like nothing's going to happen at the state law level, right? Like the state senate, state assembly, supermajorities, you know, Rob Ort, Dave DiPietro, like some of those guys, like they can in- try to introduce whatever they want. It's not going to go anywhere. All the winners, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not going to go anywhere. Like it's it's, it's they're like they're like okay, well, like like filed and received, and like just like put it in, like it goes into a drawer somewhere, and they'll never look at it again. But you know, the school board races are incredibly important because that's directly attacking the youth. And like, you know, a lot of the suburban towns are controlled in Erie County by the right. And, and, you know, the uh, surrounding counties, Niagara, Orleans, Genesee, you know, Chautauqua, Cattaraugus, generally, again, the right controls those counties. So, you know, like this is not something that, you know, is going to be something that's not going to be, at least be attempted here if not actually happen so we have to be vigilant and and i think we have to also like work like you know maybe if you are somebody who lives in a community that is more accepting and more em- embracing you might have to go out of your comfort zone if you if you're this is something you're willing to stick to go into these other towns to help push to prevent these people from getting a foothold in say lancaster or newfane or north tonawanda yeah i mean i think uh you know from our perspective um, you know, New York has some pretty, from a legislative perspective at least, has some pretty strong relative protections, especially for transgender young people in schools, which is really nice. And um, but you know, one of the things that we're seeing is also that, like, I mean, we'll get calls from people that are like, "Hey, I'm moving there from Ohio. I'm moving there from Florida because I have a trans kid, and I'm not, you know, going to put them in a situation where they're unsafe." And it's not hundreds of people, but it's certainly dozens of people, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are ending up. And those are the ones that I that call us. I mean, right. let alone ones in New York City, the rest of the state, whatever. There's a huge influx of that, and I always kind of laugh because it's like they'll call us, and I look around, and I'm like, this is like the utopia. Like this is <laughs> yeah. the good place. Like this is where you want to come. Um, because you know, in our work, we're just sort of seeing. You know, unfortunately, we hear about how bad it is. Uh, you know, we see the dark sides. Um. But, you know, New York has a lot of those really strong protections, which is really nice. You know, the reality is that um, I I think one of the things we see from a sort of like school level is not so much 
is not as much who even who's gets elected to the school board. So from a functional perspective, right? Like in, in districts in school districts, the school board is elected and they hire the superintendent, they manage and oversee the superintendent and they hire and, and fire and manage the superintendent. And so the people that we deal with a lot are the superintendents. Mm-hmm. And so what they're sort of dealing with is on one hand, they've got like 20 angry parents that are calling them with like, you know, oh, I heard that, you know, whatever nonsense they heard about, like we, we were in their school giving a training, how horrible. Um, but on the other hand, they know that like legally they're opening themselves up to some significant lawsuits as a school district if they don't do X, Y, Z. And so even in a lot of these rural districts, what we find is that the superintendents and like higher up admin are like really interested in getting us in the building because they know that if they don't do what they need to do legally, they're going to get a lot of really bad press, um, even if they don't really care about the issues with the kids. And so I think as long as we're able to kind of make sure those state laws are really strengthened, mm-hmm. especially from the schools, that we sort of handcuff the ability for some of these school boards to, you know, I think do what they think they want to do, you know, and um, hopefully we continue doing that on the state level, especially with the schools, because there's just like I said, we have a lot of protections in place. But, you know, again, the reality of those protections, though, is that they're only as useful as they're sort of enforced and Mm-hmm. known about and so we do a lot of that advocacy in school districts like writing strongly worded letters so going through parts of the job um sending an angry letter to a, a school principal like <laughs> you may not know that that's potentially against federal law um so you know there's things like that but um yeah it's you know if, if the people in the district don't know about those laws don't care mm-hmm. you know no one's holding them to account then you know whatever school board superintendent teachers whatever can do whatever um they want you know if there's no sort of central policy um so yeah i mean and you know we see that from the sort of you know school district level to the county to the state I mean, making sure those protections are in place is just is really critical um especially you know in a state like new york where so much of it happens on the state level making sure that they're sort of attuned to the needs and the issues of the community uh and the young people is really you know important yeah i mean so, i will say one thing is that like I, I think it's good that we have such strong state laws and regulations regarding it uh, but unfortunately, like you, you can't. They don't enforce them until somebody does something wrong. Right. So, like, there's opportunity for, like, say, somebody to take over a school board and fire a superintendent, bring somebody in who's going to do what they want, even if it's against state law, and they're going to create do a lot of harm. Yeah. To in the, to some youth in the short amount of time, that's irreparable. Yeah. Um. Before the state is able to say, you're you're all out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that that that's that overhanging threat of litigation you know that mm-hmm. if someone decides they don't care about that then yeah well, you know that they can certainly do that you know and i think the other part of it is um th- it's just a lot of very loud organized crazy parents um mm-hmm. and that's what we saw especially with some of the school board elections there's just a lot of organized uh parents and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just when they're you know crazy right-wing parents that it is but um mm-hmm. i think making sure to sort of meet like with like in that situation is really important. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of parent support and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of parents of LGBTQ youth, particularly trans youth in Western New York that feel very isolated and alone. Mm, right. And then there's a Facebook group of all these people that are talking about how much, you know, they hate their, these other people's kids basically. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think if there's an opportunity and power for, for a lot of that sort of organizing to happen, to be able to advocate and do that because then, you know, when the superintendent's getting 10 calls about, you know, hey, Gliss was there doing a training and we didn't, <laughs> we don't like that. Then there's another 20 people that are calling him to say, no, we really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. We wanted it to happen, you know, and I think 
the more we're able to kind of engage in that type of advocacy, I think, um, you know, the better. Yeah, because I mean, that's another thing is that, like, you know, this right wing, like, they, they are, are extremely confident that they are in the majority, despite, like, everything pointing that they're in the minority on right. all these things right. over, over and over again. I mean, to the point, like, I saw that, like, in Lancaster in particular, some of these people were, after they, they got trounced in the school board election, uh, claiming that it must have been fixed because there's no way people would have voted against them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, I mean, and we're, look, we're practically boomers here, okay? We don't, we're, we're guys in our 30s and 40s. We, we, don't, we don't have children, all right? We, we are not connected to, uh, I mean, we're on the internet, right? Yeah. We, we look at, I look at TikTok anyway. Uh, oh, you do? I, no, I, I'm, in, I'm nowhere near TikTok. I, I love oh, TikTok, yeah. best social yeah. media. I'm still on message boards. <laughs> Jim's on the message board. Ryan's off the internet. I'm, I'm on TikTok. But even still, um, we can only be so connected to actual youth, actual, um, you know, queer youth and, and their families and parents. Um, what is, what is the feeling? What is this kind of like the zeitgeist uh, amongst the, that group and their, their families? Uh, I mean, is it, is it fear? Is it, you know, do you feel, do they feel empowered now that like, Hey, society, you know, American society has a long way to go, but even in our lifetimes, we've seen such a, such a movement in the right direction. Like how, what, what do, um, you know, LGBTQ youth and their families, how do they feel in, in light of everything right now? Yeah, that's a good question. So we hear a couple things. I think from the from the youth perspective, um, you know, again, it's it, it used to be that so like it was a glissive around for forty years, and so through like the eighties and the nineties, uh, really up until honestly like the mid two thousands, really functioned as just this sort of like hole in the wall space where local kids could just go and meet older queer adults, come have space where they could process who they are, have conversations, all of that stuff in a very like contained almost secret environment, right? Because it was just about safety. Mm-hmm. What we found now is that like, that's not at all what they want, right? They want to be advocates. They want to be out there. They want to be, um, you know, fighting for their rights, their loved ones, rights, their, their friends, like all of that. And so for a lot of these kids, the sort of conversations have shifted to less about like, you know, Hey, I need a space to sort of process for myself because for a lot of them, they they find that on the internet, you know, they, they have communities uh, and spaces they can go to and meet sort of um, folks with similar identities. They can process through that. They have other spaces to do that. So that's not what they need from us. What they need from us is equipping them with the skills to be the next generation of community organizers, to be the sort of next generation of activists and, um, you know, lead community leaders and a lot of that leadership development and those skills that they need to be able to kind of be be advocates. And that's what they're asking us for, you know, more than anything. Obviously, they still like the social environment is really important and the social capital is really important, um, you know, just for long term, you know, success in life. You know, we all need to have that access to social capital. But, um, you know, it's different. And then I think. What we're also seeing is, you know, two things. One is, you know, ostensibly we serve youth 5 to 21. In practice, like 90% of the kids that we serve are probably like 12 to 17. And so we've started to build programming for both those kind of outlier ages because what we're seeing on the upper end is that, and this is a problem with a lot of youth programs in general historically, is that, you know, we serve them until they're like 17 or 18. And then it's like, all right, See you later. Good luck out there. You know, call if you need something, I guess. Uh, And so we've been trying to work with them on a lot of those college and career pathways because, again, what we don't want to have is that, and this is the other thing we hear a lot of, is that no matter what space they walk into, they have to leave parts of themselves. And and especially from that intersectional space where we've historically been a very, like, white organization, serving a lot of, like, suburban, you know, white kids just 
It's just been the nature of our population. And so students and young people of color coming into our spaces felt like, hey, I can't be my full self here either. And so they get caught between, you know, if I want to go and get support for filling out my FAFSA or if I want tutoring, I can go to the local community center and, um, you know, get support doing that. But I can't be who I am, you know, my gender identity or whatever. Or I can go to the sort of LGBTQ specific kind of spaces, but they're just going to you know, give me like general peer mentoring, talk about sexual health and then send me on my way. And there's no, there's no overlap. And so that's really also part of what they want. What we're seeing is that there's a sort of um, increased understanding between the young people, parents and uh, local organizations that that Venn diagram, the middle of that Venn diagram needs to be increased. And the way to do that is through partnerships and through different things. So that's been really, I think the sort of cultural fabric of how we serve these youth has been really impacted by that because that's the sort of feedback that we were getting. The other part is especially with those younger kids and our parent work, you know, for so many parents, um, you know, for younger kids, like, um, you know, we do a group that's like five to 11. The reality is the group for like the kids is like, Hey, come play on the playground and just, you know, be dressed how you want, whatever, you know, play around with identity like kids just do. Um, and then we just take the parents aside and have like conversations with them because they're the ones who really need the support. Uh, and they just want to feel like my kid's going to be safe. You know, like my kid is going to make it through and be okay. And so, you know, we have, uh, you know, most of our staff is trans and non-binary. You know, we, they work with them and be able to go to parents and say, hey, I am a successful, you know, happy, healthy, um, you know, transgender adult person. And there is a future and possibility for your kid, right? And they really value that as well as talking to other parents. Um, so we do a lot of kind of peer mentorship stuff because that's, again, that's what they're really just, they're just scared, you know, of just like their kid, are they going to be safe? Are they going to be okay? Are they going to kind of, you know, kind of make it? Um, and, you know, hopefully we, you know, try to set them at ease um, at least a little bit, but um, you know, that's where a lot of the need is, is just like, is my kid going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? You know, am I going to have a community to be part of when I'm an adult um, and how do I, how do I build that social fabric that I need to support myself? This is going to sound like maybe a stupid question, but bear with me. Cause I, I really have a good thought here behind this, but ha- have kids gotten better? Meaning when I say this, you know, when I was growing up, um, bullying was bullying is always going to be around. Kids are cruel little monsters, obviously. And they'll, they'll always find ways to bully one another. And yet obviously like homophobic slurs or, you know, any sort of like bashing that, they may have heard from their parents um, would come out. And, and so oftentimes you're know, growing up and, and look, I grew up in that cultural haven that is South Buffalo. So uh, maybe not always the most enlightened attitudes, but I guess what I'm asking is has a cultural fabric as such, like, do you, you know, kids are always going to be cruel to each other. And yet it seemed like almost like every other word out of a teenager's mouth circa 2005 was some kind of homophobic slur. Um, are, are we seeing that as much? Like, are, are you seeing that as much with the youth that we deal with? Are they coming to you guys and saying, you know, I, I feel attacked for my, maybe my gender identity and my attacked for, you know, my, my sexual identity or has that hopefully changed a little bit? No, that's, a really, that's a really good question. And we actually talk about this a lot that really the problem that they do come to is, is the, is the adults. Like that is, mm-hmm. that is the, the problem. Uh, obviously I, you know, I say the same thing. There's bullying. Kids are going to find, especially like middle school, they're going to find reasons to be mean to each other. That's just like what middle school kids do. And it doesn't make it not serious. Um, but you know, the, 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 there, there's a certain sort of 
uh, static kind of dynamic at play there where of just like, you know, middle school kids are just like kind of mean and in high school kids are just kind of mean to each other. Um, so it's not to say that there's not any issues there, but I would say, you know, the kids that come to us with like real concerns, like real serious issues that need support, talking through a different situation, advocacy, access to deeper resources. Usually it's because of the adults in their life, whether that's parents, extended family, um, uh, in the school, especially like teachers, um, you know, we had a we had a student who um, uh, they gave him a f- form to graduate high school. Like, what name do you want on your like diploma? And you know, it's a normal thing every student does. Like, my name's Jacob, but I've literally never gone by that in my entire life. Um, and you know, I would not want that on my diploma because literally no one would know who that was. Mine says Diamond Jim. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so like even my parents forget they gave me that name. And so like, you know, it's a normal thing. And you know, they were like berated by like some office staff who was like, you can't do that. You have to have your legal name on there. Like, you know, whatever. And luckily the school was supportive and intervened, but you know, those are really the type of stories that we hear more than anything um, is really about, you know, is, is the, uh, is the adults. And so, you know, it's simultaneously like pretty kind of, I think uh, uplifting in some ways of like, Hey, this sort of generation of young people seems to be pretty, pretty with it relatively. Um, but it is tough because, you know, in the here and now, they're still dealing with like, you know, really, really crappy adults who are like not nice to them. And uh, that it's just, there's a lot of, you know, research that we cite. Uh, the Trevor Project does some great research. If you ever want to read about it, it's kind of depressing and dark, but it's really powerful research around men- LGBTQ youth mental health. And, you know, the, what they found is that like, if a young person lives in a house where um, the majority of adults there, use their uh you know chosen name and pronouns that they're uh they commit suicide at like half the rate or attempt suicide at half the rate um so it's really it's those just kind of those little things of just like you know if you don't feel like your school's safe your home's safe you know that's where you are 90 percent of your awaking hours as like a teenager and so um if you don't feel like either of those is a safe space for you then you know it's going to have serious mental health consequences yeah, no, a- absolutely. And I again, like you're you're right like in the sense that we are on I I think about when you talked about New York being like the utopia. You know, like we are here in New York, it we see so many like shitty and awful things. We see all these shitheads running for the school boards and yet we are the utopia here in a lot of ways for somebody from if Florida's like, yeah, I'll fucking take those piece of shit running for the school board rather than having them being in the governor's office. Right? I mean, literally Dwayne Wade <laughs> right quite literally nba hall of famer Dwayne wade you know leaving florida so i mean we we are in in here in new york we're, we're blessed with it um in a more enlightened time but i again it is fascinating to me that we've we've come we, we still so far to go but mm-hmm. we are so far behind where where we should be um in uh in, and again in our lifetimes like i i just keep coming back to like i i could not imagine being a teenager who like, like, you know, and I'm a straight cis male, but like, I'm thinking back to when I was a teenager, the context was we were, we were not so many years separated from uh, Matthew Shepard, you know, like, like we weren't that far from it. Like I know violence still very much exists uh, for, you know, queer youth out there and queer adults, of course, but it's like the threat of that. It's just so much different. Now it's more on a, a government level. Now it's more on a policy level are the real fears Whereas like before it was like the literal threat of violence always seemed to be hanging over 
um, our kids, our youth, you know, and it, it just, I don't know. It, it feels like a win. Hopefully you tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a changing battlefield for sure. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things that, and especially, you know, obviously we work with, with young people, but you know, we also work with a lot of organizations that serve, uh, you know, queer and trans uh, adults across the state. You know, we were always in conversation mm-hmm. with, and you know, there's still, um, especially for, uh, black trans women, um, you know, really high rates of violence and, and, and murder. And one of the things that's interesting, I mean, interesting in a not good way, but that, you know, if you look at some of the sort of statistics historically over the past few years, I think the last one I looked at was maybe like five or six years ago. So maybe this has changed, but one of the things they found is that, um, while like hate crimes and violence against LGBTQ folks in New York was a relatively small percentage of overall crimes, it was a significantly higher rate of fatal violence. And so when we see, especially with trans adults, is that they're more likely to be faced with a hate crime that is murder. And I think that's one of the things that's really, um, you know, we hear a lot about, at least in, in sort of my circles, is like, you know, I feel like every week or two there's like, a, you know, another black trans woman that was murdered um, uh, around the country. And, um, you know, that's that's a big that's a big issue. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, folks that are resorting to, um, you know, survival sex work who are homeless, who are uh, you know, doing all of these things that are really, you know, the product of systemic failures of access to uh, employment, access to safe housing, access to. Uh, all of those things. And so for us and working with young people, it's like, again, we can't just say like, Hey, when you're 18, good luck out there. Mm -hmm. So making sure we're trying to do what we can to also build that safety net for them as adults and build sort of an intergenerational pipeline of, um, you know, support of making sure we're equipping uh, young people access to, um, you know, where are the employers that they can go to that they know they feel safe. We work really closely with like, companies kind of like pride employee groups so like mnt is a really good one that we work with geico riches um every company you might think of locally key uh hsbc even they all have these different groups and um you know we're able to bring the kids to them because we can say hey this is a company that you can work for that you can feel you know reasonably safe at and that's really meaningful too i think for them because again we we don't want them to there's a lot of employment discrimination and Mm so we want to make sure that we're trying to give them the skills to avoid that um, so they can be happy, safe, healthy adults. All right, mate. So uh, I think that's probably a, a good spot for us to, to move on. Um, Jack, if somebody wants to support Gliss, sure. how do they, how can they find you guys, reach out to you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we're always happy to, you know, and get support from the community. You know, we're a very small, uh, you know, grassroots organization. You know, we don't... Um, every dollar is really, and I always say this cause you know, it's uh, like $20 to us, I think just goes a lot farther than, you know, a lot of larger organizations. And this is true of like grassroots nonprofits across the board. Um, so I encourage folks to always kind of find those smaller organizations cause we could just use it. Um, but our website is uh glist WNY.org. Uh, it's G L Y S W N Y.org. Um, you can reach out there. Um, you know, there's a donate button, you know, money is really, really helpful. I got to, we got to pay salaries for all of our hardworking staff um, and pay rent and all that. Uh, but, you know, we're always also happy to, if you need resources or support, if you're a parent, if you're a young person, if you want to volunteer, things like that, always reach out as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, in the current 
you know, climate, the more sort of folks that are, uh, you know, showing up, offering support, doing what they can makes our work a lot easier with our young people, whether that's financially or, you know, through that kind of social support and, uh, you know, volunteering and, you know, helping in you know, opportunities like this to just talk to people is always really helpful. So, um, but yeah, glyswny.org. And if you want to email me directly, feel free. That's uh, really easy because it's just executive at glisswny.org. Um, so you don't even have to spell my name. Um, but please reach out anytime. You know, we're happy to, um, you know, take your money, but also you know, try to try to help help get support in other ways. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, Jack, thanks so much for coming here and talking with us uh, this week um, about uh, pride and youth and trans rights and, you know, uh, all that goes into, uh, you know, be, be fighting for the right uh, side for queer life individuals in the United States right now. Um, and if you're listening, get out and support Pride. Like, go to a, a festival, go to a parade, uh, get out there and support those organizations, support the youth, support the adults that are out there. Um, you know, whether you, you're part of the community or you're just an ally, get out there and make sure that people know that they are loved and embraced. And I'll just say for the other things on the pride website for the thing, they have a schedule of all the different events throughout the month, including all the other different pride events. So I think it's like, I, th I forget the website. It's like prideweek.org or something like that. But you can find it if you Google it. But they have a full calendar of all of those. You know, we help plan Jamestown and Hamburg Pride are the ones that we're closely with. But, um, you know, there's a lot of other ones, too. And yeah, that's where the, you can find them. And, yeah, even stuff like flag raisings and that stuff. Yeah, you know, exactly. like city hall, yeah, you know, Jamestown in particular, uh, the only uh, uh, mayor in New York State that's uh, openly gay. Yep. Jamestown, New York. Yeah, I did not know that. Yep. So uh, get out there, support support your friends and family in the community.